Welcome to the presentation, Comorbidities in Axial Spondyloarthritis, a focus on cardiovascular features. My name is Marina Magre. I am a professor of medicine at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine at University Hospitals. This presentation is sponsored by Novartis Medical Affairs and I've been compensated for my time and these are my disclosures. The, the objectives of this talk today are that I am going to briefly discuss the various comorbidities associated with axial spondyloarthritis and their burden on patients with a focus on cardiovascular comorbidities. I'm also going to review the relationship between inflammation and spondyloarthritis and pathogenesis of cardiovascular events and finally explore cardiovascular risk assessment in patients with axial spondyloarthritis. Spondyloarthritis encompasses a group of diseases that share etiopathogenesis, clinical features, and treatment options. And they are broadly classified into axial spondyloarthritis that predominantly involves the spine and the sacroiliac joints and peripheral spondyloarthritis that involves the peripheral joints. Axial spondyloarthritis is further subclassified into radiographic axial spondyloarthritis and non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis depending upon the definitive presence of sacroiliitis on the radiograph of SI joints and also as classified by 2009 ASAS classification criteria. Peripheral spondyloarthritis, which involves mainly the peripheral joints, the prototypical disease is psoriatic arthritis, but can also be seen in arthritis associated with inflammatory bowel disease and reactive arthritis. The most common clinical feature, presenting clinical feature in this disease is inflammatory back pain. About 70% of these patients may present with low back pain, which is insidious in onset, associated with morning stiffness, worse at night, improves upon awakening and with activity, but may not improve at rest. About 40 to 50% of these patients may present with neck pain that may be their initial presenting features. Additionally, about 30% of these patients have peripheral arthritis, which mainly involves the lower extremity joints, is oligoarticular, may be involving the knees, ankles, but uh, root joint involvement like shoulders and hips has also been seen in these patients. About 30 to 40% of these patients may present with encephalitis, which is inflammation at the insertion of tendons and ligaments into the bones, and these patients have pain and tenderness at these anthesial sites, but no visible swelling. And a small proportion of these patients may also present with dactylitis, which is pain and swelling in the toes and fingers. Additionally, these patients can have extraarticular manifestation, and one of the most common extraarticular manifestation is acute anterior uveitis, which is pain and redness in the eyes, usually self-limiting unilateral, but can recur in other eyes, and is more common in patients that are HLA-B27 positive. About 50% of these patients may have subclinical bowel inflammation, and 5 to 7% of these patients may have overt inflammatory bowel disease, and 10% of these patients have been shown to may have uh, psoriasis. In addition to these clinical features and extraarticular manifestations, these patients are at risk of having multiple comorbidities. 
These are data presented from a meta-analysis by Zoe and colleague that looked at at least 40 studies. 36 of them were associated with comorbidities. And the, it included about a large sample size of about 119,000 patients. And what they found was the burden of comorbidity was variable in the patients, varying anywhere from 3 to 43 comorbidities. The most common five comorbidities were hypertension, with a pool prevalence of 22.3%, any infection of about 18.3%, hyperlipidemia, 17.1%, obesity, and then any cardiovascular disease, about 12.3%. This uh, meta-analysis also revealed that these patients had a you know, uh, much higher prevalence of uh, some comorbidities like uh, depression and diabetes compared to controls and showed that these comorbidities impaired the physical function in these patients and also decreased the work productivity and overall quality of life. Similar studies were seen in another large cross-sectional study that involved about 3,300 patients and was conducted in 22 countries all over the world, the ACES Coma Spa study. And what this study showed was that these uh, patients with multiple comorbidities, as measured by rheumatoid disease comorbidity index, which is a weighted, validated tool used to measure comorbidity burden. And the score ranges from anywhere from 0 to 9 and accounts for comorbidities like respiratory disease, myocardial infarction, hypertension, stroke, diabetes, depression, gastroduodenal disease. And in large, uh, you know, study with their uh, multivariable regression model showed that higher the RDCI score, the higher the BASFI score, implying there is more comorbidity burden, the, there is higher uh, functional impairment in these patients. These patients were less likely to stay employed and were more likely to be absent from the work and overall quality of life was decreased in these patients. So uh, another German uh, population-based study tried to see if this comorbidity burden was really related to disease activity as measured by ankylosing spondylitis, uh, you know, BATH ankylosing spondylitis disease activity index, BASTI. And what was seen in that study was the more the number of comorbidities, higher the BASDI score and higher the BASFI score. The study showed that the mean BASDI score increased from 3.7 for patients with no comorbidities to 5.4 in patients that had seven or more comorbidities. And similarly, the BASFI score increased from 2.7 in patients that had no comorbidities to 6.0 for patients that had seven or more comorbidities. Again, reiterating that the higher comorbidity bur burden, worse physical function, and worse disease activity in these patients. So all of these, uh, these uh, studies have highlighted that one needs to be cognizant of the fact that when taking care of these patients, that we need to understand that we need to better control their disease to prevent these comorbidities and uh, pay attention to these comorbidities when evaluating these patients. Now, population-based studies have shown that cardiovascular disease is increased in patients with axial spondyloarthritis as compared to general population. 
A retrospective population-based study conducted by Zebo et al. showed in, in 8,600 patients that they were at not only at higher risk of cardiovascular and cerebrovascular disease as compared to the general population, but these patients also had you know, aortic valvular heart disease and also cardiac conduction abnormalities. So all of these studies once again show that cardiovascular is risk is high in these patients with axial spondyloarthritis. This brings us to a very important question. Are there any differences in cardiovascular-related comorbidities in patients with radiographic and non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis? So this was studied in a, a cross-sectional, it was a cross-sectional study done at two large big teaching centers in the United States that included 965 patients. And what the study showed was there was no significant difference between the comorbidity risk between patients with non-radiographic axial spa and AS. This study provided us in-depth information about comorbidities in these patients. And what it highlighted was that non-radiographic axial spa, which is considered to be an early phase of the disease, does not have lower risk than patients with established AS, saying that these comorbidities may be starting early on when we need to pay attention early on in these patients when taking care of them in our clinical practices. Similarly, another study looked at comorbidity burden between men and women with axial spondyloarthritis, which was a U.S.-based corona psoriatic arthritis spondyloarthritis registry. And what this uh, study showed, that there was no difference in overall comorbidity risk between men and women, except women tend to have more fibromyalgia and depression. But the uh, Cardiovascular risk factors were equally prevalent between men and women, and so was cardiovascular risk among these patients. There was no difference in prevalence of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, or diabetes between men and women with AS. Population-based studies have also shown that patients with AS are at greater risk for vascular death than those without AS. There was a retrospective population-based study on 21,000 patients with AS and 86,000 match control who were followed by 166,000 patients years respectively. And what this uh, study showed specifically patients with AS had a 60% higher risk of cardiovascular mortality and 35% higher risk for cardiovascular 
I mean, 60% higher risk for cerebrovascular mortality and 35% higher risk for cardiovascular mortality than controls. And this significant risk for increased vascular mortality was retained even after adjusting for chronic kidney disease, peripheral vascular disease, hypertension, inflammatory bowel disease, and cancer. This figure here is a Kaplan-Meier curve, and based on the adjusted data, it's showing that this reduced survival due to vascular events in patients with AS. That is the, you know, the dotted line in, on this uh, figure representing AS patients. And uh, so, uh, again, reiterating that AS patients are at increased risk of cardiovascular disease, cerebrovascular disease, and all of them, these could lead to increased mortality in these patients. Now, shifting gears, on the next few slides, I'm going to be talking about the pathogenic mechanism of cardiovascular comorbidities in spondyloarthritis. The uh, increased, uh, you know, the risk of cardiovascular disease and this accelerated mechanisms and mediators that lead to accelerated uh, atherosclerosis in these patients is very complex and not fully understood. Chronic low-grade inflammation in these patients may be driving the, all of the components of atherogenesis in these patients, including the formation of the atheroma, plaque instability, and thrombus development in these patients. Endothelial you know, dysfunction is considered to be a precursor of cardiovascular disease and accelerated atherogenesis, and is emerged as a risk factor for cardiovascular risk. In several studies in patients with axial spondyloarthritis, endothelial dysfunction has been detected, and that in turn leads to this increased atherogenesis, block formation, and thrombus formation. Chronic systemic inflammation seen in ankylosing spondylitis, as I mentioned earlier, is involved in all of these stages of atherosclerosis development. So uh, it's the inflammation, traditional cardiovascular risk factors, and other inflammatory cytokines that may be driving this process in these patients. This is a schematic showing us the pathogenetic pathways in patients with axial spondyloarthritis. So these patients with axial spondyloarthritis, they have, may have underlying genetic risk in the form of positive HLA-B27 or other genetic polymorphism, gut dysbiosis, or mechanical stress, all of them leading to the activation of innate and adaptive immune system. There is activation of Th1, Th17 cells, which in turn lead to the production of various cytokines, TNF-alpha, IL-17, IL-6, and all of these you know, cytokines have also been implicated for accelerating this atherogenic process in these patients. So key cytokines that have been implicated in pathogenesis of axial spondyloarthritis are also associated with cardiovascular risk. IL-17, IL interleukin-1, interleukin-6, and TNF-alpha are all associated with heightened cardiovascular risk in these patients. A study of 44 patients with unstable angina and myocardial infarction compared to 20 healthy controls revealed that the plasma level of IL-17, IL-6, IL-8 were elevated, while IL-10 levels were reduced. The study also suggested an association between IL-17 and unstable coronary artery disease, 
and activation of interleukin uh, 1 beta stimulates the downstream interleukin 6 receptor signaling pathway, which may also be implicated as a potential causal pathway for atherothrombosis. TNF-alpha, which is a key cytokine in pathogenesis of axial spondyloarthritis, has also been involved in pathogenesis of atherosclerosis. So, in nutshell, there is an interplay of inflammation in these patients, uh, traditional cardiovascular risk factors, elevated disease activity, all of which contribute to this cardiovascular risk in these patients. So let's talk about a patient now. This is a 36-year-old female. She's a non-smoker and was diagnosed with non-radiographic axial spa after several years of back pain. She had some extra-articular manifestations in the form of psoriasis and heel pain. An initial cardiovascular risk assessment in her revealed that she was low risk. Her disease activity was low, so she was started on NSAIDs. So based on the, you know, this history, one would say that she's young, she has early disease, and she does not have traditional cardiovascular risk factors, so her risk may be low, and we don't need to worry about her. But her underlying inflammation may be make predisposing her to this uh, cardiovascular disease and increasing her risk. And this is what was seen in a study of about 116 patients in a Danish study uh, in which 29% of patients were females who had ankylosing spondylitis. These patients were compared to uh, patients with rheumatoid arthritis. The study showed that overall 10-year mortality in the patients with ankylosing spondylitis was lower than rheumatoid arthritis patients. However, these patients with AS had almost double the rate of hypertension compared to uh, rheumatoid arthritis patients even after adjusting for age and gender. Additionally, women with AS had an increased waistline compared to women with RA. So even though Jenna was considered to be a low risk, one has to keep in mind that she may still be a high risk for cardiovascular disease and needs to under undergo risk assessment and periodic uh, times when seen in the clinic. So um, uh, uh, how frequently should we be evaluating these patients for cardiovascular risk in, uh, with axial spondyloarthritis? You know, in the United States, only 37% of patients were optimally monitored for cardiovascular risk factors, and uh, uh, only 37% had a yearly cholesterol measurement compared to 50% of patients uh, in general population. Systemic evaluation and screening of cardiovascular comorbidities and risk factors may allow for earlier detection and improved outcomes in patients with spondyloarthritis. If there is a suspicion for heightened cardiovascular risk, one needs to look for other screening methods in these patients. ULAR has proposed certain recommendations for uh, um, assessing and managing cardiovascular risk in patients with axial spondyloarthritis. And the, what they have recommended is that disease control is pivotal in these patients. They have recommended that disease activity should be periodically assessed in these patients and it should be well controlled to prevent these comorbidities. ULAR also recommends that cardiovascular risk assessment should be done periodically depending upon the guidelines from each country at least they have recommended to be done at least once in five years in those patients that have intermediate uh, risk. They also recommended that there should be periodic risk estimation using the current algorithms and scores and uh, 
in case in for rheumatoid arthritis, Eula recommended that whatever score is obtained by using the risk scores available, multiply it by 1.5 in patients with certain characteristics or high risk for cardiovascular disease. However, this recommendation does not apply to patients at currently with the axial spondyloarthritis. Eula has strongly recommended lifestyle lifestyle modifications like exercise, healthy diet, smoking cessation. And glucocorticoid treatment should be kept at the minimum to provide any, you know, pro, uh, uh, long-term side effects from these steroids. Now, NSAIDs, what is the role of NSAIDs in these patients with regards to cardiovascular risk? Traditionally, NSAIDs have increased the risk of cardiovascular disease in patients. However, contrary to that, this, the studies that have been done in patients with axial spondyloarthritis, there was a meta-analysis of 11 stu uh, studies which revealed that the risk, uh, NSAIDs may not be increasing this risk in these patients. In another study, it was shown that those patients and patients with rheumatoid arthritis that were not on NSAIDs may have higher mortality compared to patients that were on NSAIDs. So NSAIDs may have a differential effect in patients with axial disease. How, but Eula's recommendation is that those patients who have a risk of high risk of cardiovascular disease or underlying risk factors, one need to be very cautious when prescribing NSAIDs. Recommendations for cardiovascular risk management in patients with inflammatory giant diseases have been established, but there are several important questions that still remain unanswered. So how closely should these patients be monitored for cardiovascular risk? What are the risk-benefit ratio of intensive anti-inflammatory therapy in cardiovascular disease risk in patients with inflammatory joint disease? How does treatment with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory affect these patients in terms of cardiovascular risk and, uh, you know, controlling the disease? Should we be treating patients with ankylosing spondylitis continuously or intermittently with NSAIDs from cardiovascular standpoint? What is the effect of different mode of actions of anti-rheumatic drugs and cardiovascular disease risk? You know, like a patient with, you know, who has comorbidities, one needs to keep that in mind when treating these patients and weighing the risk and benefits of the therapy in these patients. For example, like, you know, NSAIDs are considered to be the first-line treatment in patients with axial spondyloarthritis, but one has to keep in mind if a patient who has underlying hypertension or chronic kidney disease, whether we should be giving NSAIDs to these patients or not, and uh, we have to weigh the risk benefits in these patients. So in summary, I would like to say that presence of comorbidity is high in patients with axial spondyloarthritis, and comorbidities are associated with high disease activity, impaired function, and high mortality. Chronic low-grade inflammation in these patients, driven by cytokines like IL-17, TNF-alpha, interleukin-1-beta, may be uh, underlying this cardiovascular mor uh, comorbidities in spondyloarthritis. As I mentioned earlier, regular periodic assessment uh, for cardiovascular risk and underlying uh, traditional risk factors is needed in these patients, and disease activity has to be well controlled with available therapeutics, keeping in mind both the benefits and the safety profile of these regimens. I would like to thank you all for listening to this presentation and would like you to complete the survey at the end of it.